Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. This is Chuck. Chuck. Yes. No. I am Chuck. I am here. uh, I'm with you. Did you prepare today, as usual, that kind of method approach to podcasting? No, I know what you're getting at. No, I did not. You're just feeling a little hinky? or I'm hinky. That's all I like of that. I'm hinky. Can you pull yourself together, you think? I'm together. I'm with it. uh, I'm fine. This is is kind of an important one. It's a little out there, uh, but it's all true. It is. Okay, so you're fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Let's do it. Well, we're talking today about um, a certain set of experiments carried out by a certain government agency is known as the CIA. Yes. And they uh, they carried out an experiment with another three-letter word, LSD. Right. On unsuspecting Americans. Yeah, I think most people uh, would not expect to hear those six letters together <laughs> in the same sentence. No. And this is not widely known. So, No, it really isn't. And uh, frankly, it should be. And I think it's kind of one of those things that uh, supports just about every American's notion of what the CIA is up to at any given time. Right, right. And yet it's just so out there, so fantastic that they actually did this right. that it's kind of hard to believe. But this is documented. This actually happened. It did. Okay. Do you want to give a little background first? Uh, well, um, how about you tell us how we know that this stuff happened? Well, because it's on record. <laughs> it is on record. It's, it's actually factually on record. Um, yeah, there are a couple of congressional hearings on it. Exactly. And th- this what amazes me is this happened in the 1950s, mm-hmm. which uh, is even less likely. Because when you think about LSD, acid, as they call it, as the kids call it, <laughs> you think about the 1970s and or late 60s in right. Woodstock. Right. But it was actually in the 1950s when it was first uh, being experimented with. And we're talking the early 50s, too. Um Apparently, we were really, you know, full on into the Cold War, <clears throat> and um, we believed everything we heard about the Russians. We apparently the CIA uh, found out that the Russians were involved in some sort of truth serum, mind control, mind control, Manchurian candidate experiments, right? right? Uh-huh. Uh, and they found out that the Swiss pharmaceutical company that will ring a bell of. Um, the people who've taken acid and listened to our podcast, Sandoz Pharmaceuticals. Right. Um, they had this stuff that was first created by a Swiss chemist named Albert Hoffman. It was LSD-25. And uh, they apparently had uh, 100,000 hits. 100 million. 100 million hits Supposedly. available to anyone who wanted to buy. It was on right. the open market. They were a legitimate pharmaceutical company, and this is back when, as a lot of people don't know, LSD was an actual legitimate pharmaceutical. Right. Uh, it was also often used later on for um, therapy. Did you know that? Uh, well. In in the States, Cary Grant was huge, huge into acid. Really? I kid you not, my friend. Wow. He, he took many a trip, and uh, he actually... I can't remember who he's married to. It may have been Mia Farrow or somebody. Right. He, he essentially chased her off by being so insistent about his wife undergoing acid therapy, LSD therapy, that yeah. she was like, you're a freak. 
I could see that. Yeah. So okay. So we're let's get back to the Sandoz thing. Right. Forget Cary Grant. Yeah. They've got a hundred million hits of acid on the market. Which I mean, really, the, the CIA heard this and they're thinking, oh, okay, a hundred million hits. They could take out New York, L.A. The Russians could get this into the water supply, and all of a sudden we have a population that's not listening to us anymore. Right. I guess they were they wanted to create some sort of a chaos or mass hysteria or mm-hmm. something like that. Or at worst, like the Manchurian Candidate program. Uh, unwitting assassins who, you know, carried out these murders and had no recollection of doing it or being programmed. So they're like these perfect assassins. Right. They kind of suspected that LSD might help with that kind of thing. So uh, when the CIA hears that these these hits are on the market, they scramble to to buy them. Yeah, that's what I love. They Turns said, out there's only yeah how much forty thousand I think in yeah. the U.S. Good old U.S. government said we'll take all of them. Yeah. So they bought forty thousand hits of LSD, acid in hand. They start carrying out their own horrific right. experiments. They went camping. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. They they built campfires. Right. They went. They, that's how uh, Burning Man actually started. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they 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 have all this acid, and they say, "Well, okay, we have to figure out how to uh, make our own Manchurian candidates and figure out how to use this as a truth theorem ourselves." It just so happened that this this acid was purchased at a time that the CIA launched this um, project. Called MK Ultra, right? And this project was huge. It, it actually, actually doesn't stand for anything. I found no, out. I, I I never found it either. It, it doesn't stand. There were some other projects like MK projects that did stand for things, but right. Ultra it didn't stand for anything, which is unusual. Yeah. Um, so they carry out MK Ultra, which is 149 sub projects, and it's this vast range of basically figuring out how to get into people's minds um, or kill them. Like uh, one, apparently they had magicians come in and teach <laughs> CIA operatives how to use sleight of hand this to poison great. people's drinks. Yeah, I, I can I can virtually guarantee you a lot of magicians were shot in the back of the head after they gave that class. I bet know? that that was during the big magic uh, freeze of the 1950s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would account for it, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, that was one sub project. Another was um, using electroconvulsive therapy to get people to talk. Right, which, which I'm sure was a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet it worked too. Yeah, there was um, radiation uh, treatments. They wanted to see how much radiation people could be exposed to, um, and this is actually one of the more horrific aspects of it. There, there's a uh, video on YouTube. If you, I think, type in something like uh, MK Ultra testimony uh, or radiation testimony, there is a woman who's testifying at a hearing. I think it's one of the 1970s hearings. Um, and she's talking about how she, I think she was an orphan, uh-huh. and she and everybody else in the orphanage w- were made to be test subjects by the L- by the CIA, not on LSD, but like radiation and all that. And it's just right. clearly broken. She's a broken person now. She's o- much older by this time. And sure. It's just crazy to see somebody who actually was experimented on. She's an American who has all these rights that just got thrown out the window. Well, yeah, and I know that they experimented on prisoners a lot, too. Yeah, uh, specifically black prisoners. Right. So here's where we get into some of the shadier LSD experiments. That's one of them. Right. They go into a black prison and uh, basically, against the inmates' will, as far as I know, uh, test LSD on them. Now imagine taking LSD in prison. Right. Not I can't think I of anything it. worse than that combo. No. Uh, and and these were, like I said, this was an all-black prison Um and it was just bad. That's sure. just a bad experiment. Another one was they uh, they they lured uh, heroin 
uh, junkies. Yeah, I love this one too. Because <laughs> and how did they lure them? They they the paid them part. in heroin. Yeah, the CIA paid these people in heroin, and right. this is again documented fact. Right. Uh, there are a lot of other experiments going on, and actually, this stuff was so rampant, as you know, Chuck, that the CIA actually developed an uh, acid culture for a while. They did um, in, within their own uh, uh, system. There, yeah, they used to dose one another at parties. Right. Um, they used to take it themselves recreationally. Uh-huh. Like at any given like LSD conference retreat, something like that, there, people were probably running around on acid. I know. You know, reading your article, it, it seemed almost unreal. Yeah. Clearly. And it sounded like the 1950s and the CIA, it was almost like a prank. Like, you know, hey, Agent 99, let's just go drop some acid in Agent 88's yeah. uh, drink there. I think that's, that's almost precisely what happened. That is crazy. And then there'd be like a group who dosed somebody and then everybody would be watching them. Right. And then like a half hour later, the, the joke would be on him. And he'd spend the next, you know, 8 to 12 hours just sure. whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the CIA was well versed in the in how it felt to take acid, but the CIA operative isn't the average American. No. So they they wanted to to experiment on nor- on normal people, and I say normal, kind of unwillingly because they did have a certain um, criteria of who could be targeted for it. So they they went to kind of the seamy underbelly of cities, and they found like. Hookers and junkies and um, exactly. Uh, uh, who else? Um, well, the guy, the pornographers. Yeah, the guy who found these folks posed as a pimp. Is that right? Yeah, kind of well, had an alternate let's, personality. Let's talk about these people. All right, there's this guy. All right, his name is Doctor Sidney Gottlieb. Yeah, <laughs> this guy has a club foot. He overcame a an almost debilitating stutter, and he went on to become the chief of the technical division for the CIA. Now, this guy's greatest hits, uh, among, you know, carrying out the LSD experiments, uh, was developing Agent Orange. Uh-huh. Another drug that he had tested uh, by the people who were conducting the CIA or the LSD tests um, eventually gave way to erectile dysfunction drugs. Right. Um, he did a lot of crazy stuff. And some less uh, less solid uh, evidence can, puts him in Africa at the time that Ebola Broke out of nowhere, right? Maybe um, not a coincidence there. Yeah, now, was he a medical doctor? Or was he? Uh... He was. He was. A, he was a medical doctor. Okay. Uh, he, he was probably, from what I understand of him, he probably had several doctorates, right, to, to different degrees. That makes me feel um, much better. And I think he was also. No, he may have been a chemist. Actually, now that I think about it, but I think he did have a, a medical training as well. Uh, that's that's the guy who's running the head of this. He's the head of this experiment, right? Um, right, be- right below him is. One of the most legendary characters you will ever hear about in your life. His yeah. name is George Hunter White. They need to make a biopic film about this guy. I can't believe they haven't already. Um, this, he, he originally, White originally started out, um, he really first made a name for himself by posing as a heroin trafficker um, for the better part of the 1930s and busting up this Chinese opium ring. And he right. took down hundreds of people. Right. But to get there, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure he had to smoke opium quite frequently. Oh, yeah. Um, and he basically infiltrated this. He took a blood oath with this Chinese gang. He was in, and he eventually took him down. Uh, so that's how he made a name for himself. Uh, but he, he didn't really... I hate to use this cliche. He didn't play by the rules. Not only did he not play by the rules, the guy's totally amoral. He was a completely amoral yeah, character. A bit of a rogue agent. Yeah, I think he just kind of went whichever way his his um, his 
allegiances lie. Whichever way the acid told him to go. Pretty much, yeah, because he was definitely one of the ones who took the acid, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it all starts with him. Like the the most that we know about the LSD experiments, they go back to George Hunter White. So White gets tapped by Gottlieb to carry out these experiments, and it all starts in New York. Yeah, he didn't have a safe house or anything like this. This guy was doing these experiments yeah. on his friends at first in his apartment right. in New York, basically having acid parties without telling them that they were going to be taking acid. And actually, you could argue that George Hunter White held the first acid parties in the history of the Earth. Right. Um, this guy was really he he he'd make up batches of martinis. Um, and serve them to his guests. And, yeah. of course, the, the pitcher of martini was spiked to God knows how much LSD. Well, that's one of the things, too, I was wondering is at the time, they, they were just ex- starting to experiment. So they didn't even know what was a full dose, what, what <laughs> it would do. I mean, this is how they found out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he had a, he had a, a terminology for, um, what happened if you had a bad trip? He called it the horrors. Right. One of the reasons we know so much about this is because George White kept a diary of notes um, that, uh, for his experiments, at least to, to maintain some semblance of experimentation. He, right. He took notes on it. Um, but, yeah, so he'd serve his guests martinis, right, and then just sit back and take notes after it started kicking in. There was a whole subgroup of close friends of his that were actually inadvertently recruited and they would bring their friends, and he actually had this kind of um, swinger social group. Right. Um, and swinger, by every definition of the word, uh, White apparently was into spike heel boots. He'd do anything right. for a woman in spike heel boots. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who wouldn't, though, you know? Right. Uh, his friends were just, just – imagine, like, the, the uh, 50s shade ball porno swinger groups. And this is what White was at the center at, except he, he was, unbeknownst to all of his friends – a CIA operative experimenting on LSD right. with them. So, this needs to be a film in the works. Yeah, I'm telling you. This would I be, would go see that so many I times. Would. Uh, so he's carrying out all the ex- experiments. And, and uh, again, there was a certain subgroup of friends who loved it. They Years later, um, in the 90s, a lot of this, this information came out, and it just fell to the wayside right. for reasons I can't understand. Um but the, a lot of them were like, we loved acid. Right. George loved acid. Like, we just took acid all the time. Some people didn't like acid, though. Exactly. It can go one of two ways, generally, yeah. when it comes to LSD. Yeah, there's not really a middle ground, I would think. Right? No. Um, so there's this one woman in particular named Barbara Newsom. Oh, I felt terrible. And she was like, I can't believe like this. 23, a young mother. Yeah. And um, she was married. And her husband was actually kind of this, um, kind of a cad from what I understand, um, he was part of White's little uh, swinger group. Uh-huh. Uh, but I also got the impression that he was kind of peripheral, wanted to be in further, but they just right. didn't think too highly of him. But White thought his wife was pretty hot, so he waits till her husband's out of town and invites her over. And Barbara Newsom was not really hip to what was going on. No, she had a young kid at the she time. She had a 20-month-old baby yeah. that she brought to the party. Right. So, so she, she clearly did not know what was going to happen. totally unaware of yeah. what was going on. So White um, doses her anyway, right? Yeah. And the, the part of the problem was is White quickly got bored, especially if you were on a bad trip. Uh-huh. He had no – there was no – padded room that he took you to or he didn't hand you like a hash pipe or anything like that right like, you <laughs> right. were on your own he wanted you out of his hair right and that was that so it was a big bummer for him i guess exactly at the very least it, it made him irritable so right. he'd turn you out on the street just 
tripping your head off. Right. And um, that, that's, that's what became a Barbara Newsome. She was turned out on the street because she had a bad trip. And she went home. She never told anybody about it. Um, her husband uh, later pieced it together. They they eventually divorced. Right. But she probably she, didn't even know what happened to her. No, I don't think she had a clue what happened to her. Yeah. She she became depressed. Her marriage fell apart. She ended up um, being committed on and off for the next twenty years. Right. Um, and also, again, from from the research I did, she was probably a little more fragile than the average person. Yeah. And it, it may, it, something else could have happened to her in her life that, that put her through this. Right. The fact is, this woman was experimented on. It's documented fact. She she was one of White's test subjects. Right. And her life fell apart. Right? Sure. She kind of represents the bad side of these experiments. Yeah, I would say uh, that's definitely the bad side. And one person died, isn't that correct? Yeah, Dr. Frank Olson. Yeah. His son really has uh, taken up the the charge of uh, trying to get the truth exposed. His father is definitely documented as having been tested on at one of those parties. Right. And now imagine, like, his father was an Army scientist, a research scientist, whose specialty was in delivering poisons through aerosols. Right. He was a lab rat. He he probably, uh, I imagine his social skills weren't as... uh, quite refined as maybe whites or anybody else's uh he goes to this party and um they they give him a, a shot of dosed cointreau right and he does not handle it well no and this is at thanksgiving too so it was these, around thanksgiving these guys clearly had no qualms about you know this one lady had a baby this guy it's so the holidays mm-hmm. and he skipped thanksgiving with his family because he was so freaked out he they they actually contacted the closest cia approved doctor who was, I think, a podiatrist or something like that. Right. And But he was the closest physician. Uh, I think the guy was in Virginia, which is close by to where this, this CIA Army conference took place. And so Dr. Olson's just freaking out, and he's doing it very loudly. Uh, I think he kind of took everybody off guard with his reaction to the LSD. Right. They bring this doctor, and the doctor's like, this guy needs some serious care, and basically we need to kidnap him. Right. And he has corns on his feet <laughs> right. to boot the podiatrist's... <laughs> Always notices those things. Yeah. Well, yeah. How it's his training, right? Yeah. So um, they 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 basically sequester this guy. They call his family and say, uh, "Your husband isn't going to be home for Thanksgiving. Uh, he he can't make it." Right. Basically, don't ask any questions or any Thanksgiving, as it turns out. Right. The eight days after his bad trip, uh, he goes out the tenth story window of a hotel in New York. Right. And. Um, it was apparently suicide. That's how it was ruled. But years later, I think in 1992 or four, his son, uh, who actually started a website, the Frank Olson Project, uh-huh. very interesting stuff. He um, he had his father's body exhumed, and there was evidence of uh, pre-mortem blunt force trauma to the head. Right, which kind of suggests, you know. This guy was probably murdered. Exactly. And a couple of years after the body was exhumed, Ike Feldman, uh, who posed as the, the pimp, we'll get to him in a second, <laughs> in an interview with Spin Magazine, he said, you know, George Hunter White was doing the acid tests in New York at the time this guy went out of the hotel window in New York. Right. So, you know, you, you don't have you to put, be a, yeah. You put two and two together. Uh, no one ever has uh, definitively, but, you know, it kind of seems like the kind of guy White was. He didn't right. seem to have qualms about stuff like that. No. So, okay, New York's over. Yeah, this is this is where it gets good. And <laughs> sort of predictable when you look back, but they moved the operation to an actually a funded place in uh, San Francisco, of course. Carl, 
the the apartment called the pad. Yeah, that's literally it was called the pad. And basically, I get the impression that White left his swinging social scene and his wife behind in New York, and he goes and takes the show on the road by himself in San Francisco. Right. And at first, um, it, l- let me describe the pad real quick. It's this little apartment with a kind of bohemian art on the walls, and you know, probably God knows Street. what else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was probably pretty close. Um, one of the one of the, the the main features is a two way mirror mm-hmm. with a little hollowed out room behind it, um, and that looked out onto the main living room. Okay, so basically, White used to take a bunch of acid and he would pose as either a merchant seaman or like some sort of starving artist, <laughs> and he'd go into San Francisco. And basically find the prostitutes and right. the Johns and um, the drug dealers. And he'd round them up and bring them back to his place and just dose them with acid. Right. And they didn't feel bad because they considered these people just the dregs of society. So yeah. They figured they, they were justified. degenerates anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that there was probably a pretty wide threshold of, you know, who was fair game and right. who wasn't. Like, I'm sure if you were caught with a nudie mag under your mattress and you were married... They would have considered you fair game exactly. as a degenerate or here's some here's some acid. Yeah, right. So um, at first, White's rounding all these people up, right? And mm-hmm. he's basically just partying with them in San Francisco on acid. Gaining their trust. Right. Uh, eventually, he, he uh, recruits Ike Feldman, uh-huh. that guy that we mentioned who did that 1994 Spin Magazine interview. Right. And Ike Feldman is just a badass. He is a tough, grizzled, old... The fringe of the law cop. Right. Right. He does whatever he, he, he's like the model for Vic Mackey from The Shield. Uh-huh. Whatever has to be done to get the job done, whatever. It doesn't matter how many times you break the law if at the end you're bringing in the bad guy right. or whatever. So, uh, he gets recruited by White, who basically, um, goes and takes his rightful place behind the two way mirror to watch how Feldman brings in the prostitutes and the Johns. And it got a little freaky from there. Yeah. And, it, you know, it kind of made me wonder if the whole uh, culture of San Francisco was kind of known in the 60s as, you know, the counterculture, uh, the revolution, the the free love, the summer of love. If the CIA actually kind of helped create this I can, in, the, in the 1950s. I can tell you most decidedly it did. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why... Here's the punchline to the whole thing. This this is just this makes this whole thing beautiful and um, elegant, as a mathematician would put it. One of the people who uh, signed up for the legitimate experiments, uh, actually, I think it was at a VA hospital or something, was a fellow by the name of Ken Kesey. Yes, Ken Kesey uh, was an orderly at a mental hospital at the time. He was basically researching um, for, for his later book, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Uh, Casey's other came, claim to fame was he was the founder of the Merry Pranksters. Right. And the Merry Pranksters hung out with the Hells Angels, yeah. the Grateful Dead. Rode around in a, in a colorful bus. And basically were the establishment of the hippie movement. Right. And the the Tom Wolfe book, uh, Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, is a, is a great read. Oh, it's a great book. Yeah, and it really gets into this uh, period in our history. And it's about Kesey and the, and the Merry Pranksters. Yeah. Um, and Kesey was one of these willing participants in a test subject by the CIA on LSD. He was given it a couple of times, realized, holy cow, I love this stuff. Uh-huh. Found out that Sandoz was the um, company that was making it, got a bunch, shared it right. with his friends. Once it went illegal, uh, he also befriended uh, Stanley Owsley, who was like the premier underground acid chemist in the 60s. Right. And uh, it all just kind of went from there. Uh-huh. So directly... 
the CIA led to the birth of the hippie counterculture and any remnants and right. traces of it still alive today. Yeah, that they later would condemn and, uh, you know, cops would put the beat down on the hippies and the beatniks and just kind of funny that it was kind of created by the government. It's amazing. It is. It's beautiful. So I, that's the story of the CIA and LSD and the gingerbread man. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so stick around because uh, this seems almost unimportant. We're going to tell you uh, what article makes Chuck want to go out and eat a McRib or two. Right. LSD to the McRib. What Stick a second. around for that right after this. Okay. Thanks for sticking around. Um, Chuck? Yes? What makes you want to eat a McRib, my man? Well, what doesn't make me want to eat a McRib, Josh? <laughs> the know. McRib is a, uh, a, a temporary menu item, a featured menu item that you see at McDonald's occasionally. And as you know, it's some sort of pork product. Uh, compressed into the shape of uh, ribs. I know, bones and all. Yeah, but there are no bones. No. It's just part it, of the pork product. It represents the, the bone. bones, yeah. And they put it on a, a, an oblong bun, slather it with some sauce, and it's delish. You're preaching to the choir, friend. I've I know. had those, and I'm hooked on them as well. Right. But this isn't a McDonald's commercial. No. So you should tell them the article. Well, it's, uh, I think, uh, top five uh, McDonald's menu items that didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a bit of silliness, but it's it's kind of a fun read. It, it is. It's very interesting. It's actually uh, I took it. It's written by our esteemed colleague Jane McGrath, uh-huh. uh, who did a heck of a job with it. Um, it. It's it's almost this glance into the corporate culture of McDonald's, right, and marketing and how it goes wrong, terribly yeah. wrong. Yeah, no, there were two things on there that I would like to have seen. Uh, Shamrock Shake. Yeah, love the Shamrock Shake. I've never had one. Oh, dude, they're great. Um, and the other was the, uh, what was the one that keeps the hot side hot and the cool side cool? The McDLT. Yes, yes. that's right, that's right. Um, I would have liked to have seen those on there, because I just love the packaging for the McDLT. Right. The thing was cool. I think that in the green movement these days, that wouldn't go over, because it's twice the packaging. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can read all sorts of stuff about the green movement, and uh, plenty of menu items that didn't really make it for McDonald's. Right. And don't forget to uh, read about the CIA and LSD. All of them can be found by typing in some clever words in the search bar on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you